You're listening to Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about, well, usually we talk about movies that just came out. Today we're talking about Trick or Treat, which came out 12 years ago. Uh, yeah, it is, uh, we're recording this the week after Halloween, and so we're going to talk about a Halloween movie. You're listening to this around Christmas, so you can be scared for Christmas. Uh, Merry Christmas, everyone. Uh, Stephen, Stephen Wilkins. Hey, what in God's name are you doing down there, Wilkins? Uh, hiding bodies? <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> Nothing. It's the uh, septic tank is acting up. Is that what that smell is? I'm afraid so. Then fix it. Damn. It stinks like a dead whore out here. I'm <laughs> trying. <laughs> Keep your kid out of my yard. Happy Halloween! Screw you! Caramel apples, just like Grandpa used to. How about that? When? After we carve the jack-o'-lantern. But you have to be quiet. Okay. But don't forget to open with the eyes. You're listening to Classic Movies Live on Heatwave Radio, the pre-recorded show where we talk about Trick or Treat. That's the movie we're talking about today. Pierre, Trick you want to... Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat. Thank you for correcting me. No worries, I got you. Would you like to talk about what this movie's about? Because sure. Because I don't know if I can. Uh, Trick or Treat is a parody, kind of a love... It's kind of, It feels like a love letter to anthology horror movies. I don't know how many of those there are. But I mean, it is an anthology horror movie. It is, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So so the movie is basically, I think, four different plot lines that, like that. kind of happen in, uh, not in order. How do you say that? 
out of order. Non nonlinear. Yeah, non-linear, yeah. So it's a nonlinear plot, and all, but all the plots and there five, there's four set or five separate stories that all connect, mm-hmm. um, in one way or another, where the characters appear at different times in each story. Yeah, it's really cool because it all just uh, it's it's like some town in I want to say Ohio that uh, sure, Ohio, <laughs> Kentucky, something. It's yeah. some boring place. boring place. <laughs> But essentially, um, it's it, about it. It, it kind of takes like a lot of horror tropes, yeah, and mixes them and kind of makes fun of them, but in a very corny. But it way. also like it's it all ta- it's all about a bunch of stories that happen on Halloween, and so it also takes like not necessarily movie, but Halloween tropes. Like yeah. here's the thing: like if you've ever experienced a Halloween in your life, then like the setup of every single story is going to be very familiar, and that's what it's building off of. Like, it takes that um, just various, like, things from Halloween and then turns them into short horror stories. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah, it was was... great. Um, We love this movie. Or I love this movie. Yeah, I was surprised. It was during a horror movie night, so Mm -hmm. obviously I was thinking it was going to, I was horror going into it. Um, and I remember being kind of, it was, it, it has like spooky moments, I yeah. guess, or like really dark moments, but it's a very, it's very effective at combining horror and comedy. It's very Sam Raimi-esque. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that's exactly a kind of horror movie that I like. Like those aren't necessarily the best horror movies, but, uh, Sam Raimi has his own sort of. Style. style with horror comedies mm-hmm. that are just like, yeah, they're spooky, but they're also over the top and kind of hilarious. And that's kind of what this is as well. Mm. Um, it is trying to be, it is trying to be funny. Like, I would say that of the movies that I've seen recently, of the horror movies I've seen recently, the one I would compare this to most is Poltergeist. Because it's, it's got its spooky moments, but it's very over the top and doesn't take itself too, too seriously. And like the point is clearly not to scare people. It's just like to be an entertaining sort of schlock blockbuster schlockbuster. Yeah. Well, it takes, cause like a lot of, I think it clarifies like a lot of horror moments mm-hmm. in regular movies or can be, if looked at from a different perspective can be kind of hilarious. Yeah. Um, and then, and then it also, it subverts a lot of tropes too, which is nice. Mm -hmm. That's why, like, it wasn't, like, really clever writing, but it was cute, and it tried something new. Yeah. I really liked that. And I liked, uh, I liked that each of the story, well, it was, like, an hour and a half of very short stories, and I liked those short stories because it sort of felt like a TV special more than a movie without, like, having, you know, the poor production of, like, a Hallmark movie or something. Yeah. I just felt like... I I am glad that I was there from the beginning to the end, mm-hmm. but if I turned that on on the t but like if I just flipped to it on the TV, I would be able to just watch the watch the whole thing from anywhere in that story. Yeah. Um, hopefully that makes sense. It but does. Like that's it, it doesn't that sort of it doesn't rely too much on pretense. I guess it's a very entertaining story no matter where you check into it. Yeah. So I guess like. I, maybe we don't need to clarify this, but when we watched this movie, it was during a horror movie night that was part of, uh, or that uh, included, so we started with The Thing and then The Orphanage, and then we watched this movie, and then we watched It Follows. Yeah. And The Thing and The Orphanage are much, uh, they're pretty dense movies. Like, you've got to be paying attention. Um, they're both kind of slow. They're a little more artsy where this movie was none of those things, which was a really nice change of pace because, um, you know, the first three hours of this movie marathon was good. I enjoyed those movies a lot, but it was, um, you know, very quiet theater, everyone trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, a lot of people, or at least me, you know, a little spooked trying to figure out, you know, how, how does this relate to this? Um, this movie was just good, clean horror fun, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a good palate cleanser. Yeah, exactly. Um, refreshing to see compared to the usual schlock, mm-hmm. schlock of horror movies. Yeah, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't completely mindless, which was nice, but it also wasn't 
trying something. to be. <laughs> it wasn't trying to be. It wasn't a big artsy movie. Like, it wasn't no. pretentious. Yeah. Do you want to go through each story? Kind of talk. Because this movie's kind of tough because you can't really talk about it as an overarching movie because it's so. It's basically, like you said, like almost six. No, but what I did appreciate, just real quick, is um, I liked how all of the stories connected slightly. Mm-hmm. None of them were super important to the other ones, but if you've been if you watch the whole thing, you're going to notice like, "Oh, I remember that from way back when," or "I wonder if that's going to come up again." And it does. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. So, I I did appreciate how even though the stories weren't um necessarily they they weren't specifically connected, there were there was lots of easter eggs there basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, let's, uh, let's go through each of the stories, because um, I think that makes sense for how to sure. talk so about this movie. The first one was... So, real quick, if you, for whatever oh, reason, yeah. don't want to be spoiled about Trick or Treat, this is your last chance. Yeah. From now on, we can't promise that we're not going to do spoilers. Yeah. And it, I guess, not really much to spoil. I don't think so. I think, I think it's think more this about is... the experience of watching it. Yeah, than honestly, if I had this entire movie spoiled for me before I went into it, I would have enjoyed it the exact same. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think spoilers are a big issue, but for anyone that doesn't want spoilers, Mm -hmm. this is your last chance to get out. Uh, So the first story followed, I believe it was Dylan Baker. Dylan Baker, who... Man, I keep realizing he's in so many of my favorite movies, and he's he's never the main character, but I like that guy a lot. Yeah, Um, he's... I love the way he played. He's a very... Um, well, I, I only, I've only seen him as Kirk Connors in Spider-Man. So Dylan Baker, I have I don't think I've ever seen him in a main role. Like the main, the closest to a main role I've ever seen him in is this movie, Trick or Treat. Um, but uh, if you know William H. Macy, you know William H. Macy, right? I can't think of him. I he know was, that name. He was the shoveler in Mystery Men, obviously. I don't know. He was the movie. bad guy in Pleasantville. No. Uh, he was the main person in Fargo, not the series. Oh. The movie. Wasn't it a check? Oh, he wasn't the he was he was the other guy. He was like the insurance broker that like. Oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah so. Uh, uh, less, his last name was like Nygaard or something. Yes, I believe yeah, so. Okay, yeah. Um. Yeah. So, he uh, William H Macy. Anyway, I don't know. For our viewers, uh, if you don't know who Dylan Baker is, Dylan Baker is a very similar... Like, he gets a lot of very similar roles to William H. Macy, but he's not a leading man usually the same way that William H. Macy is. Mm. Uh, anyway, like, basically what I mean by that is he gets a lot of roles that are... I'm I'm an old white man, and I act like an old white man, basically. Like, that's really all it is. Sounds about right. And that's kind of who he is in this. He plays a principal of a school uh, on Halloween, and he just, like... The, the opening of the story is uh, a kid come a, a kid who's like very disrespectful to um, jack-o'-lanterns comes to his house and gets some candy from him. That's that's where we open up the story. Yeah. So and anyway, then, you take over. Oh well, so yeah, and then what he he kills the kid with yeah, so poisonous he, chocolate. He has poisoned the candy. So like, there's this old urban legend. And I mean, it's based on a real thing, but it's really very close to it's really just an urban legend honestly about uh there's the thing of always check your candy because there's people that could poison the candy or they might put razor blades in the candy this movie has a lot of fun with that idea even though that's that's not really a thing that happens it has happened but it's really not a thing that happens but this movie likes that a lot and this first movie is Exactly that. Like the the moral of that st- of the first story is always check your candy because Dylan Baker has actually poisoned the candy in this case. Yeah. Um, and that was, and that was a. I thought it was like, because I guess honestly when I saw him, I thought of him as like a good guy. You know, he seems like a a trustworthy well, like, person, like as an beca- actor. You know? Yeah, because he was so prominent. I'm like he's. There's probably something messed up about this guy. But also, yeah, I think of him exactly the same way. He's a very trustworthy-looking dude. He he comes out and, like, the first thing he does is sort of, like, very kindly, politely lecture the boy on, like, well, you shouldn't be disrespecting other people's property like mm-hmm. that. And Like a know, principal would do. Like a principal would nice, do. He's, yeah. a very, he's a very teacherly fellow. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he kills the kid. So, yeah. yeah. 
And I, well, it's just, like, the way he kills him is a very, like, I think that's, that's when the movie definitely shows its tone when the kid, the, basically, the kid, the kid vomits and, like, blood and then he dies, kind of. Yeah. And then, like, the, you know, it's just, like, that's the scene, right? But then he keeps doing it. Yeah. <laughs> And, and then, then once that's finally done, Dylan Baker, like, takes him in, yeah. and then yeah. the rest of the scene is a bunch of things happening while he's trying to... Bury the body. Bury this body, or, like, take it apart, I guess, yeah. to do whatever else he has to do. Yeah. And that's... That's... This... This story is so simple because it's really just Dylan Baker trying to get rid of a body while a bunch of other stuff happens to him. Like, he's outside trying to bury it, and the kid, like, starts to wake up while he's trying to bury him. And his neighbor is hassling him the whole time. And then, like, his his son is, like, screaming from the window, Don't forget, you gotta help me with the jack-o'-lantern and all that stuff. Yeah. And, like, yeah, this... The first, the first story is hilarious, and that's like the it sets the tone for the whole movie, really. Like yeah, said. and I, I think it was very. Cle- I, honestly, like it was such a simple story, but it just, it gave you just like a really realistic look at like how a ser- like how a, a murderer in that position, like a yeah. regular guy, would actually go about doing it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and it's not only that, but it was like the way he acted, like like when he when he committed the murder, it was. It was like, it felt like he was doing a chore, you know? And yeah, like, exactly. And he, it was very, I guess, it felt like a sitcom, you know, where he's, like, kind of mad at his family because he's not appreciated while he's, like, burying the body. And yeah. Shit. And it was just, like, I don't know. I, I loved how, how it because it was actually, like, when you think it was a very dark scene. Oh, it was super dark. He, he murders a kid, and then the kid turns out to be alive, and then he kind of starts killing him again while he's, like, talking to his neighbor. But you can't help but laugh the whole time because... It's such a ridiculous scene, too. Yeah, like, even killing the body is just, like, life is going against him in so many ways. Like, it's because, I guess, he just he's a very simple person. It seems like he just wants to kill... He just wanted to kill the kid and move on, right? Yeah, it's it's so weird. It's like that juxtaposition between, like, He's actually just committed child murder. Yeah. But also, he's got all these other problems in his life. His family doesn't appreciate him. His neighbor's an asshole. Yeah. He, like, has to do hard labor. (laughs) Yeah. He's so hard done by, but also, he's literally just killed a child. Yeah. So, like, it's that juxtaposition that I think is at the heart of that first, uh, at that first... (laughs) Because episode. You you want to feel bad for him because his life sucks. (laughs) But also, like... (laughs) But then you also can't he killed really the kid. feel bad for him, yeah. <laughs> no, because he's murdering people. But so yeah, that that mix of like it's almost like the mix of like how you want to f- like you can't tell how you're supposed to feel exactly. So you just kind of like want to laugh because of how stupid it all is. Yeah. Um. And yeah, but then at the end, um, there's like a twist where, because I guess for the whole the whole skit or whatever skit, quote yeah. unquote, like. He's hiding the fact that he's murdered someone to his kid. Well, that's uh, it what was it very, seems like. Yeah. yeah, it seems like it. And it was like, and then like, kind of the whole time you're like, oh, this must be a stupid kid because it's pretty obvious what he's mm-hmm. doing. Um, but then there's like a twist at the end where the kid actually knew the whole time. And when the kid was asking, like, can we carve a jack-o'-lantern together with his father? It was actually they're making jack-o'-lanterns out of people's heads. Right. And the kid was in on it. And um, that was actually like, I thought, really like, that was a pretty creepy ending. It was really creepy, yeah. And, like, the way they filmed it, they they, they thought, because you think he killed the kid at first. Mm-hmm. Then it turns out he killed, he was, like, stabbing the dismembered head. Um, right. But I thought that was actually really cool writing, how they... Because um, I came out of nowhere, because it was such a silly... I guess, like, my guard... This sounds weird, but my critique guard was put down by, like, how stupid the yeah. the plot was that, like, when that came and I was like, oh, shit, that's like actually, like, really mm-hmm. good and, like, haunting, you know? That that image of them as a family carving heads together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know if I have anything more to say about the first oh. one. The first one was... I, I like the first... The first... Uh, it was honestly perfect. I loved it so much. The first story of this is by far my favorite. Mm. And I like the other ones, but yeah. that one is just, it's so perfect because it's just like, I mean, we've already talked about it at yeah. length, but 
I, I just love every part of that. I really like it. Dylan Baker does remind me a lot of William H. Macy because he gets us, he like, he's a suburban dad who's got problems, but they're not actually real problems. Yeah, he just, they, he, his life just kind of sucks because he wants to complain. Yeah. Like, I love that character a lot, and yeah. putting that character as the bad guy in a horror movie is hilarious, hilarious yeah. to me. And yeah, so I, I, I do, I, I was honestly kind of disappointed he never really came back in a big capacity mm-hmm. to that character, but like, I feel like if they kept going with that, like if we had a whole movie about this guy, I feel like I would have grown tired of it. Oh, for eventually. sure. Um, even the time that he does come back in a minor, minor capacity, it already fe- it feels like... Yeah, I didn't like... It, it feels like yeah. you had your time. It like, feels a little forced. Yeah. Um, but I, I, like, I think it was perfectly paced. Everything mm-hmm. about it was great. Um, and yeah. And, like, that's the thing. It, it didn't need any more. Like, I didn't... Because if it was, like, a feature film, I feel like the audience would kind of expect, like, some kind of arc for the character yeah. or something. But I honestly didn't want that. Well, that's part, that's the best part of anthology movies is, I guess, like... I, I haven't watched too many of them, but, like, there's something to be said about... Well, you can do a lot more or at least very different things with, like, a ten-minute skit than you can with a full movie. Yeah. And um, the movies I've seen that, uh, I mean, the, the format is entirely different, but it's really cool. And, like, none of the stories here would work as a full movie. Mm-hmm. But as 10-minute skits, they're awesome. Yeah. Or yeah. I guess 20 minutes. I don't know. They're, they're just short. cute stories. Yeah. But, yeah, I'd say I'm kind of sad they, they kind of gave you the best one first. A little but bit. But it also drew me into the story and really set the tone. But that's the thing, too, is I can't imagine any of the other ones being first. Because the other ones, the other ones, if they were, I guess, like, the first movie, and we've said this a bunch now, but the first the first uh, chapter sort of sets the tone. Mm-hmm. And none of the other stories in this sh- in this movie could set the tone the way that one Better. did. Yeah, that's true. So, like, if you had, say, the second story, which we're about to talk about, if you had that one first, then, like, that would color every other story with... It would, it would color them a lot darker than, like, say, this first story should be. Yeah, I think it really opens your mind yeah. to, like, kind of embrace what's coming rather than, like knowing exactly because you never knew what to expect in that skit yeah and that kind of falls through for the rest of it i would say that in a movie like this you want to open and close with your two strongest skits Mm -hmm. and i felt like they opened with the with the strongest one i don't know that they closed with the second strongest Mm. well we'll see we'll talk about that later so let's talk about that second one first the second one was with the Kids? Yeah, kids collecting jack-o'-lanterns for a school project. Um, yeah, so, I guess, I guess the whole premise was, they, yeah, they were collecting, well, they were collecting jack-o'-lanterns for a school project, but then it turned out to be for something else, which was like... Making fun of a different girl. <laughs> yeah, they were trying to make fun of a girl in their class, essentially. Yeah. Um, and it was all, all a big elaborate prank of, they would, well, first they told a story. They went to this quarry. Yeah. And they said they were going to, they, they were going to make the jack-o'-lanterns as like a tribute to the eight kids that were killed in a bus crash in that quarry. Yeah. And then, and then they go down and then essentially they prank the girl into thinking that the kids that died in that bus crash were coming back to kill her. Yeah. And all of them. Um... And then, and then I guess it ended with. It turns out that that was true. Yeah, but the like, prank, the prank worked, and then the girl got mad, and then. And then actual zombies came out of the quarry and killed everyone that wasn't the girl because yes. she got away. She got away, and but she like actively, she she made them not get away too. Yeah. The girl that was bullied stopped them from getting away and let them yeah. die. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts on this one? Um, I always find it kind of fascinating. How dedicated bullies are in movies. Mm. Like, maybe maybe I just never experienced real bullying or something, but, like, these bullies were absolutely committed to their craft. They're like, we've set up this elaborate prank. We're all going to do quick costume changes to be zombies. Yeah. We're going to go through, like... 
this prank involves a bunch of setup that has nothing to do with the girl that we're actually trying to prank. And, like, what's the ultimate payoff? She's sad for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like... It was really, like... I don't um, understand movie bullies. It was really... It was honestly kind of stupid. Like, that whole... It was very corny and cliche, like... Yeah. That idea of, like, the girl getting that gets bullied gets, like, a type of revenge mm-hmm. when it turns out ghosts are real. Yeah. But I guess what happened here was... Like, I, I, I think this the suspension of disbelief was, like, acceptable here because at yeah. the, the first skit. But because, like... Um, because it was pretty serious until they go into the pit mm-hmm. and then it turns out to be kind of a joke, right? Right. But it was never really... The skit was... I mean, this section of the movie wasn't really funny. That no, was, it was surprising. Well, it, wasn't, it wasn't funny, but, like, I also didn't find it that scary. Like, it was... The story was fine, I guess. Um, I didn't love this one. I don't no. know. Like, so I know I just said that it doesn't, that I'm not con- convinced it ends on its second best one. Mm. I, I think it actually does, now that yeah. I think about <laughs> it. Think about it ends on the second best one. The second best one is just, like, second by a mile. Yeah. Um, I would say that this one is probably my least favorite of them. Mm. Uh, mostly because, I don't know, I took a bathroom break during this one, mm. and I felt like I didn't really miss much. No, not really. So. Like, I guess it's a cute, cliche story. Like, it, it feels kind of like filler. Yeah. Um, because I it feel like you could have done more with the story, because it's an interesting enough story. I feel like the meat of this entire second section is the part that takes place in the past, where they tell, where they talk about the, um the kids on the bus dying. Yeah. Um, Because, like, that's a whole section that they film in the past for it. And then after that, I guess there's some zombie stuff. Like, it doesn't... Sort of nothing's interesting to me after that. Mm -hmm. And so... I don't know. I feel like... I mean, like, when I was talking about movie bullies, uh, you know, they do all this really elaborate stuff for essentially no payoff... Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like that's what this entire section was. It was it a was. really elaborate setup, and the payoff is kind of non-existent. Um, I'll say, I will say, I guess it built up the last skit, in a way. A little bit, because um, it does introduce, um, it does introduce that little kid that's just, like, walking around sort of creepily who comes up in the last skit, so yeah. we'll talk about him a lot more there. Um, but, yeah, so I guess I, yeah, there's not really much to say in this one. Just It was all right. Yeah. It, I didn't mind it, but I didn't love it. I didn't I, like it. I certainly wouldn't say that I disliked it. Yeah. I would just say it's my least favorite of yeah. the four. And I think they could tell because I think this was the only skit that was cut. The second and this third, the third skit had parts of it placed during that the second one. Yeah. Um, so it kind of cuts back and forth. So I feel like the filmmakers could kind of tell that those were their two weakest ones. So mm-hmm. they kind of mix them together to help the pacing a bit. Okay, so actually I think the filmmakers had a lot more uh, confidence in the third skit than maybe they should have. Yeah. Because I don't think they thought that was their one of their weakest. No. It, because it, they they built up to that one from the very beginning. Yeah. So the third skit, and I'm just going to talk about how they build up to it first. It's uh, a couple of girls, I think four girls? Four girls going to a Halloween party out in the woods, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, throughout the first two skits, they keep cutting to these girls when it's convenient to show, um, you know, them getting dates and them trying on Halloween costumes, and one of them is, like, her first time going to a Halloween party, so she's nervous, and she's pretty awkward, so she doesn't think she can get a date. Mm -hmm. And so, like, they spend some extra time building up her. And so I think... I don't think they necessarily thought this was their strongest skit, but they definitely thought it was a lot stronger than it ended up being. Yeah, it felt... Because there was a lot of build-up to it. Yeah. And I was expecting something more from it um i think the way this specific skit starts when it gets into the section of the movie that is dedicated to this skit 
is there's a guy in an alleyway who, who's dressed up like a vampire, mm-hmm. and he's, like, making out with a girl, and then he uh, bites into her neck, and it turns out he is a vampire, or at least that's sort mm-hmm. of the in- intention of, like, the implication. Yeah, yeah. Um, of what's going on, and then you start seeing this guy in uh, the party, or in, in, like, the crowd that the girls were looking for their dates in yeah. earlier. yeah. And that's kind of where it starts, and they sort of leave that alone and then sort of move over to something else for a little bit. Yeah, and then they... But that is specifically related to this skit. It is, and you yeah. don't expect it to be at first. I remember that scene being very out of place. And yeah, it sort of seemed like, oh, this is happened. a weird thing that happened this night. On to the next skit. Yeah. But, um, um, but yeah, so the guy, I guess, comes back. When, when the girl who's having trouble finding a date... Gets, goes to the party that her sister's at? Yeah, on her way, I think she meets this guy that we're talking about. Yes, the, the vampire that was at the rally or yeah. the Halloween, the other anyway, Halloween Anyway, so party. you think that this is going to be about vampires, and then, like, she meets him in the forest, and you're like, oh, no, she's going to get got because she met this vampire in the forest. But then she makes it to the party mm-hmm. that she's supposed to get to, and, uh, or no, then we see the party she's supposed to get to. She hasn't made it there yet. Mm-hmm. But then this vampire guy falls out of the trees and is like, help me. Yeah. And then you find out what the party is. Where it's a werewolf party. It's a, was I guess. It? It was... I think it was werewolves. Like, there was a time during this. Uh, so all of the girls at the party, they all brought dates. And then they all eat the dates because it turns out they're werewolves. Yeah. Um, I think. Because there was a time during this uh, segment where I wasn't sure, are they werewolves? Because I think one of them looked like she was transforming into a big bat. So it's like, they're not vampires, but are they maybe were-bats? And yeah. I think they were werewolves. It was honestly kind of, I don't, it was confusing what they were going for at the end. I, don't th- I yeah. guess it doesn't really matter what they were. The point is, like, they're actually monsters and they're murdering people. And it was all set to some rock music, so it's supposed to be really funny. And yeah. it was it was kind of funny. It kind of it was okay. It, it was, didn't land as much as it could. Yeah, on, yeah, I I'd say like I definitely didn't expect that. Yeah. Build on the build up because it felt like a very another very cliche story just this like This is the, the one where one. it subverted expectations, and that was cool that they did that. It just also didn't necessarily make for a good story. Yeah, it's because I, I never really bought into the characters very much. Yeah. And the the setup was I feel like the setup odd. The and... setup through the other chapters led me to believe that there was going to be way more substance to this story. Yeah. And it, it sort of went... This story, like, it spends two chapters, which at this point we should clarify is like 45 minutes, maybe an hour, yeah. getting to this party. Yeah. And once they get to the party... The punchline is they're werewolves, mm-hmm. and that's it. Like, yeah. there's nothing more. It's just they turn into werewolves, they start eating people. Yeah. I, oh, sorry. sorry. Yeah, well, I'd ahead. say the main problem is, so it had a good twist ending, I guess. Yeah. It wasn't executed the best, but it was a solid, I guess, twist. It didn't blow my mind, but I, I'd say the problem is, unlike the first skit, where it had kind of a twist at the end, I actually cared... I was invested in the story yeah. before that, too, because it was funny well, I think, and interesting, whereas that one was just really cliche until it hit the party, but by then you're just kind of like, I don't really care about this story that much in the first place, so. Yeah, I would say, like, all right, let's go back to our prestige episode. Oh. <laughs> uh, what are the things? There's the pledge, there's the turn, and then there's the prestige, right? Yeah. So the first episode here had... It had the pledge where you uh, you see the kid and he's knocking down jack-o'-lanterns and he goes and gets some candy and the principal comes out. He's like, hey, what's up? And then it had the turn where the kid, like, starts spitting up blood. And then, so that seems like the twist, right? The kid is basically dying. Now the guy is trying to, now the guy is doing all his stuff with, he's trying to bury the kid. He's trying to do all this other stuff and a bunch of stuff happens to him. Mm-hmm. Then it had the prestige at the end where they brought the kid back. Mm-hmm. And, like, as, as the head. Yeah. This one had, like, it's got the pledge at the very beginning because you see the girls, like, getting ready for this Halloween party. Mm-hmm. It's got the turn where you, like, interact with the vampire. Or, no, it's got the turn where they get to the party and then they all start eating people because they're werewolves. But that's it. There's no prestige. 
Yeah, there was nothing that really made me buy... I just kind of felt like this one felt incomplete. Like, it had the twist at the end. It had some build-up. But like you said, I didn't care about the characters by the time the twist came around. Yeah, there was, like, there was lots of potential. Yeah. It felt really lazy. I want to say every single... And I'm probably just repeating myself at this point. But every single part of this, of this chapter was good. Yeah. It was just missing something. Yeah. Yeah, so that was I'd say like a six out of ten. Like yeah, it was it was fine. It yeah. was better than bad. One. Yeah, it was. It wasn't bad. Yeah, it was just all right. Um, but yeah, I think it just relied on the twist too much. That's mm-hmm. the biggest thing. And then uh, I guess we can talk about the fourth one. I mean, okay, actually for the third one, what's kind of cool is it brought back the the principal from the first. Right, one. we keep forgetting to mention this. And then, uh, when they unmask the vampire guy, yeah, turns out it was the principal from the first one. Yeah, who I think's name is Steve. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, anyway. I thought that was kind of cool, but then also like, it didn't really make sense for his character. No, not really. Out- I was, mean, they're both murderers, but yeah, this guy was like, basically like making out with chicks and two and. It I just, mean, we do know that he's a widower. I guess it just well, <laughs> it wasn't like like, I guess it just felt weird because in the first one, he it felt kind of felt like he's murdering people for his son. Yeah, you know, and that was kind of cute in a really weird kind of way, but it, it, he kind of turns into a one dimensional character. Yeah, even by though, doing that in the third skit, even though we know a lot about his character in the first skit. We don't know enough about his character that this weird, random character change in the third skit makes any sense. Yeah, it just felt really out of place. They could have picked someone else. Because they didn't really do anything with him. He just died. Yeah. And that was, like, really disappointing to bring a character back and like, Oh, I love this guy. I can't wait to see what they do with him. Nothing. Oh, wait, it turns out he just dies. Yeah. It was kind of funny because, like, the... Again, like, it's a one-note joke, but the the joke with him in that scene is that he was someone who should not ever be in over his head because clearly he got advantage of the child in the first one, yeah. but now he's in over his head because he didn't expect there to be actual werewolves in the forest. Yeah, yeah. Which, again, like, it's a one-note punchline, and that's it's a, it's a shame to do that to the character. We're never going to see these characters again. No. It doesn't matter. But, like, it was a little bit of a shame. Yeah. And then also, there wasn't any poetic justice there either. Like, it kind of felt like the filmmakers were like, this guy should die. Like, it might, the people might be happy if this guy dies because he was doing killing kids before. Well, it just felt like... And it makes it come full circle and, like, the justice angle. But then, also, they were killing random people, too. This was actually written and directed by one guy. Yeah. Uh, and it felt like he wrote these four stories... And then found and a way. And how to, to connect them was like the the connections between them were very much an afterthought. Yeah. Because like, which I guess is fine because the stories individually were fine, but the the guy from the first story really had no business being in the third story, and certainly the third story wasn't in wasn't written with the intention of him being there. Yeah, but it was their only way to link that story to. The other part. Although I don't know, honestly, I would have been fine if they hadn't linked it because they had shown so much of the third story through the other two chapters that it already felt that it felt interconnected anyway. Yeah. Even if it had nothing to do with the rest. Yeah. So So, yeah, that was uh, like. I would say I liked it better than the second story, mm -hmm. but I would say there's more wasted potential in this one. Yeah. Very fair. Um, but yeah, we can move on. Oh, also, one question. I never understood this, but did, did the werewolves have sex with the people and then kill them? Or did they just kill them? Because the whole time they're talking about, like, like she's a virgin and it's her first time. It's, but then, I have like, no idea. Was that, like, they were just talking about, like, killing someone or what? It was just really confusing. Uh, good question, man. Uh, I mean, like, they did, like, the point. they did, it, it did look like... God, I don't know. Because he killed her. She killed him in a very sexual way, too. But it yeah. also wasn't sexual because she killed him. a lot him. of teeth. Yeah, a lot of teeth and, like, biting the throat viciously yeah. as a dog. So, I, I mean, like, I guess yes with a big question mark that also has a no very in it. cool. That, that, that was honestly the biggest point of confusion for me in the story. A um, no exclamation mark. Thank you. You're welcome. Good answer. 
Um, and yeah, I guess the fourth and last story. This I believe, is. Right? Yeah. I would say that this is my second favorite, but Definitely. it's it's by a wide margin because I yeah. actually don't like the main villain of this movie that much. Which is the kid. The kid. Yeah. So essentially, to clarify, there's kind of a kid slash monster. Yeah. That walks around. Yeah, he's got a movie. big circular head, and he's walking around through all the different chapters, and he's just sort of there. Yeah. And in the very beginning, the very, very beginning, when they're running the title sequence, they introduce this kid as Sam. It's like, meet Sam, and that's it. Yeah. And I guess, like, Sam is some weird, angry spirit whose entire purpose is to enforce these arbitrary rules of Halloween. Oh, Halloween. Like, you don't mess with the jack-o'-lanterns. You gotta give out the candy. Yeah. You... I, I don't know. It's it's weird. I don't understand him, but sure, whatever. I guess the thing is, like, I wish Sam... Because they put a lot of emphasis on Sam throughout the movie. I was hoping there would be he more did. payoff. Or yeah. I guess also more maybe involve, involve, be so more involved think, throughout all the stories. I think that the thing that's most disappointing to me about Sam is when we finally reveal who Sam is. And we'll get to that. Yeah. It's really disappointing. Wait, who was it? I don't even remember. It wasn't someone we knew. Oh. It's just... Oh, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. kind of hoping it relate to, like, another... Not necessarily, but, like, literally anything other than what we got. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. So, so yeah, the fourth story is... So, the fourth story takes place at the same time as the first story. Because yeah. this is the story of the neighbor that's heckling uh, Dylan Baker while he's digging a grave. Yeah. And which was honestly hilarious. It I was, was like, awesome. I was really excited to see him when I realized who he was. Honestly, I think that this uh, story gains a lot just by being contemporaneous with the first story. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, they they look at they they take one of the scenes from the uh, the first story with the principal. Yeah, and just and show just, it from a different angle. Yeah, and that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so this guy, he's he's kind of like the Halloween Grinch. Yeah, basically. Where he, people come to. Get Which is candy. weird because he's got a bunch of jack o' lanterns in his front yard too. He does. Oh, wasn't that that wasn't him? No, though. that was Rhonda as well. But he also had some because I remember oh, seeing I see. that and I'm like, this isn't Rhonda's house. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he's like the Halloween Grinch, and then essentially. Sam comes, which I guess he's, like, the spirit of Halloween. Yeah. At the guest. So he comes and trick-or-treats, and I guess, like... Attacks him? Well, does the guy, like, originally turn him away? I don't remember. No. He turned... No, it it was just out of nowhere. No, I know that when he actually attacks, it's out of nowhere, but Sam does come to the door as a trick-or-treater, does he not? I don't remember that. Okay. Um, I feel like that happens. I don't remember for sure either, so... Yeah, anyways, the... The skit is essentially this guy fighting off Sam. Right. It's actually, like, an extremely simple... It's really simple. It's also, like, a really well-shot, like, horror monster scene. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily a good, you know, house chase or whatever you would call them. But it's really well-shot. Yeah, you could tell they actually put a lot of work into this one. For sure. Because, well, the writing was really simple, but, like, the, the scene had a lot of energy behind it. The actor was, like... Really, I thought he was really good as mm-hmm. a, like, kind of an old guy, but also, like, kind of desperate, desperately clinging to his life the whole time. I don't know who that actor is, but he no. looks a lot like Gene Hackman. He's not, yeah. but he looks not, a lot yeah. like him. But, yeah, so he fends off Sam. That's the entire plot. I guess, no, he fends him off, and then he doesn't, but then Sam gives up anyways because he gets candy. Sam eventually goes away... By getting candy, yeah. Yeah, which, well, that was, like, a kind of an interesting way to end it. But it also, it, it does make sense with this character, because this character, like, the character of Sam is just, like, like you said, the spirit of Halloween, and, like, his entire thing, I guess, is to enforce these... The rules of Halloween. Arbitrary rules of Halloween, yeah. yeah. So, like, he, once he gets candy, I guess what might happen, and I don't remember for sure, but, like... This seems like it probably happens. I'll bet he comes to the door and gets turned away. Who, Sam? Sam, yeah. Oh, okay. I don't remember for sure. Yeah. But, like, the fact that he goes away by getting candy yeah. seems like that's probably what happens. Yeah. Um, but, like, uh, you know, this guy's fending him off with a shotgun. He's, <laughs> I think he gets, oh, that's my favorite part. He gets stabbed 
in the Achilles tendon, I think. Yeah. With a chocolate bar that has a razor in it. Yeah, it was like some really... And it was by a severed hand, too. Yeah! Right, like the hand was walking around without... Yeah. Sam was like dead, sort of. Yeah, because he shoots Sam with a shotgun a couple of times and manages to like sever the hand. And then the hand stabs him. Yeah. And that was like a really, I thought it was really creepy, but in a funny kind of way. Yeah. So I love that. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, actually, I don't know what to say. I like. Well, I think that the thing I remember most of it, well, it had a lot of good action scenes and they were just good action did. scenes. That's yeah. really all I can say it about was, that. It was good and it also, but it also wasn't like too intense. It was no. like the scenes were ridiculous because like, this is like an, a seven year old guy with a shotgun fighting yeah. off like a rabid child, essentially. Yeah, it was. It was funny the same way the first one was, because it was just such a weird, absurd situation. Yeah. Um, not as much as the first one, but in the same way, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but what I didn't like about this was, at one point, he shoots off Sam's mask, because Sam has this big burlap sack as a mask over his big spherical head. And uh, when he gets rid of the mask, you see that underneath, Sam is a really spooky pumpkin. And it's like, that's not... I thought that was bad. I thought it was really bad. I yeah. hated that, actually. Like, I wanted Sam to be, I don't know, a zombie or a child or some character that had any relation to anything. Yeah. Because they do also imply that this man may have been the bus driver for the second uh, it story. Was, it wasn't really implied. It was, it was pretty heavily... Okay. ...told, essentially, or shown. So this old man, this old man is the bus driver... Probably, I guess it's the eight kids that killed the eight kids. So there's the implication that that might be why Sam is trying to hunt him down. Yeah, but also that's totally not the case. Or I mean, it is the case that he's that bus driver, but Sam also totally doesn't care because Sam is a complete is is com- has completely different motivations. Yeah. So it's like they bring this up, and everyone in the theater at the time went. <gasps> oh, but like it didn't mean anything. There was no payoff to that particular twist. With Sam, no. Not, well, I mean, not even after that. No, the kids come back to kill him. Right. The kids come back at the end to kill him. Uh, Yeah, sorry. So, like, after Sam leaves, after getting his candy and almost killing the guy, the guy becomes really friendly. He's like, he's he's turned a new leaf. His heart heart grows three sizes that day. Uh And a kid comes by and he gives him some candy, and the kid goes, nice mummy costume, yeah. and then he goes away, and then there's another knock on the door, and he opens it up, and it's zombies, and he gets killed, probably. Yeah. Which was kind of cool. Yeah. Like, but again, the payoff almost seems like cheap, because when they reveal that he's the bus driver, that has nothing to do with Sam. Like, I mm-hmm. thought that it would have made sense, especially because there's a scene in the second chapter with Sam sort of walking around uh, after the zombie, after Rhonda escapes the zombies. Yeah. That I thought it would make sense if Sam was, like, one of the kids who survived or, like, who wasn't on that bus but could have been on that bus. And I guess they sort of imply that in the second chapter in the... In the uh, past scenes as well mm-hmm. because the bus drives by Sam. Mm-hmm. Now it's not implied that it's not necessarily stated that Sam should have been on that bus, but I guess there's sort of kind of that implication, barely. It's not enough that I think it it's not enough that uh if some if someone told me that was the case, I would think it's a cop out. Like yeah. there's not enough there. Yeah. But um yeah, I, I think that just I wanted more Payoff for Sam. Yeah, makes sense. So yeah, that was kind of disappointing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as I guess overall, the movie. It I honestly felt like the guy wrote like one or two like skits that he thought would be cool for like something Halloweeny, but then he's like, "Crap, I can't really like release this on TV. Maybe I can sell it as like a feature film if I make two other stories and then tie them together. If I had to guess, I would say he made a story of a neighbor, like of he made a, he made the story with Dylan Baker, and also a story about his neighbor, and yeah. then he was like, "Well, now I got to fill in the rest." Yeah, because he's like, "This is forty minutes. How am I gonna sell this?" Yeah, it's very weird. So yeah, like so let's shove in two stories in the middle. 
make them link all link together somehow and then call it a day. Cause mm-hmm. yeah, like the two, two in the middle just felt really shoved in. Even like even the ending, like with the bus driver, like the neighbor being the bus driver, yeah. and getting killed by the kids. They could have totally like that. That felt like it was written at after that scene was made. Yeah, just to like connect it to the second story or something, right. you know, because he needed more. Mm-hmm. Um, because you could have totally just ended it there with like the old guy being like really nice. Yeah, and honestly, that almost would have been a better ending. I think yeah. it would have been a better ending actually. Not even almost. Yeah, it like I think the shock factor was kind of cool, but yeah, it wasn't a really satisfying ending because because mm-hmm. this I think this is the only story where the main the main character actually goes through some kind of character arc. Yeah, where he actually improves as a person, but then he just dies. Yeah. Anyway, so then it's like, wait, what, what was the point of exactly. all that, you know? Um, but yeah, so, like, you can you could easily tell the way they were shot, too, that the second and third one were just kind of lazy, lazily put together. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, overall, like, I just, I love the way he took it. I, the director, he yeah. or she, I don't... I, I think it was, I don't, I know, don't know the was. name. Um, but yeah, it was, it was cool, it was cute, nice, nice refresher on... Horror, horror tropes and stuff. Yeah, I know that, like, we've said a lot... We've said disappointed and a lot of negative words in this podcast, but, like, we really did like this movie a lot. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and I would definitely recommend, especially for, like... Actually, if I was sitting at home on Halloween waiting for kids to ring the doorbell, yeah. this is 100% the movie I would put on. Yeah, you can pop out, pop yeah, back in and still exactly. enjoy it. It's a very... F- fun movie you yeah don't, you don't have to be invested in it and uh yeah i i don't know i i it just it felt like someone who really loved the horror genre and wanted to try something else with it yeah and i um you know it's just a really fun movie i like this movie a lot because mm. it's just didn't take itself seriously. it's fun didn't take itself seriously you could kind of turn your brain off mm-hmm. but like it wasn't completely brain dead either. Yeah, and it, so, it it also it did, I feel like it did try a lot of new things. It did. It did. It would be cool to see not a sequel but a follow up. Like I want to see this guy that made this movie do another Halloween anthology mm-hmm. or another like horror anthology. Mm-hmm. It'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I cool I like ideas. this a lot. I would definitely recommend it, and especially like as something to put on. If you want to kind of turn your brain off for a while or if you, like, don't want to watch anything really seriously challenging or depressing or something. It's just a fun movie. Yeah, it's a good time. Definitely recommend to. Kind of, like, it feels like one of those, like, if you're, if you're like, doing work or something. Like yeah. A nice Netflix movie or something to have. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, yeah, that's all I have to say. So I think next week we're going to be talking about uh, Need for Speed. So thanks, everyone. Uh, Wait, no. (laughs) We're going to talk about Need for Speed next week. Ah, shit.